Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. We did some ads for Ford involving 3D spinning cars and you could go in and see the uh, interior and you could listen to the music on the console. And it was a very tricky project and it just only involved myself and two other people. That was it. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Brian Switchko of One Inc. We're a startup studio and creative cohort based out of Los Angeles. I have been listening to the We Are LA Tech podcast and part of the We Are LA Tech community uh, since the beginning of both. I knew Esprit beforehand through prior podcasts and listening to We Are LA Tech, just the stories, the warmth, the energy is inspiring uh, on its own. But knowing that the people and the stories within that podcast are part of a community um, and being immersed in that community has been a source of consistent delight and amazement and connection and synergy and just in so many ways, um, magic. And Esprit is indescribable in how she makes space for people and how both on the podcast she evokes these stories that uh, are, are just so authentic and beautiful and potent because of the way that she makes space for people um, energetically and in other ways. I'm so happy and grateful to be uh, a listener of the podcast, uh, a member of the community, and just to be able to share in the warmth of community that circles around Esprit and all the work that she does for the We Are LA Tech community. So I will continue to keep listening and, and enthusiastically so for a very long time to come. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. All right. So, you know, I'm super into productivity tools. Definitely shoot me a message on Twitter, Instagram, at Esprit Devorah. Let me know which one is your fave. The new hot tool that everyone is talking about is Rome. Have you guys heard about Rome? They go by Rome Research on Twitter. They call it a notes tool for network thoughts. They're trying to like wipe out Evernote and really be the way to connect all your thoughts together in a personal knowledge base. It's really interesting. They're in a private beta. They're kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember when Gmail was an invite-only thing, and there's, like, right now, there's that, um, what is it? 
club something all the investors are in it i can't think of what it's called and and that's like invite only invite only is always the thing that gets everybody all excited and so rome is in beta you sign up for the waiting list and everybody wants to be a part of it there's allegedly it will take over notion and evernote i mean i'm so into notion right now i can't imagine that but i would love a place to network all my thoughts like all the research that i do or when i'm writing my book you know, connecting all those thoughts and research together. So I'm hoping to get through on the beta list. I'm not yet. If you know some at Rome, please push me through. But yeah, check out at Rome Research. Super cool. And yeah, definitely tweet me, Instagram me. What's your favorite productivity tool? I would love to hear it. All right. Enjoy the next episode. Tech podcast spotlighting LA tech companies and talent. And I am so excited to bring you our next guest, someone who has been on the show before, Adam Bell. He's a dear friend and he is an absolute OG when it comes to technology. Welcome, Adam. Thank you very much. Yeah, I will say OG, and it's kind of scary. I actually just celebrated my 24th anniversary in this crazy business. That's crazy. Let's jump right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So basically, I run an independent web design studio called Data TV, and we're at datatv.com. And like I said, we've been doing this for now for 24 years as of June 1, working on basically websites, some apps, some social media marketing, email marketing. It's all like kind of like a one-man band for the most part. And we do mostly website development for mostly entertainment and e-commerce brands all over the country, from Boston to the Bahamas to Hawaii to, of course, back here in L.A., Recently, uh, probably the biggest thing I did last year was I did a redesign for the legendary New Orleans brand, Cafe de Mon, which is like, they had like 150, now 158 year history. That's of, crazy. Uh, I know. It's like going back to the Civil War, which, you know, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and what got you into technology in the first place? Well, what got me into technology in the first place was when I was a kid, I wanted to get into, I was kind of fascinated by just watching a lot of television. This is the 70s. You know, there weren't really a lot of computers. Those that were were kind of huge and you know, couldn't, you couldn't buy them. So I got fascinated by graphics on television, which were changing from just putting, uh, basically what you did back in the 60s and early 70s, you would put art cards on the screen and you just would superimpose whatever's on the screen onto the TV screen, like during news or a sporting event. That changed into Vitafonts, Chirons, paint boxes, whatever. And I started getting more and more fascinated with how this all works in what we call broadcast design. So that was the original plan, was to work in television. That didn't happen for the most part. But what did happen when I got out of college was the internet started booming. And I started noticing more and more about it. And then around late 95, I realized that after visiting a friend in the TV business who worked over at uh, TBS, uh, Turner Broadcasting, he basically showed me around the whole studios, but we spent most of our time just looking at internet sites, uh, you know, like the old Channel 4 seismometer here at KNBC, looking at earthquake statistics. So, so I was like, incredible content, but at the same time, it's a horrible design. And I said, okay, there's your avenue. I went back to, I was living in South Florida time, and I bought a book at a Sam's Club on HTML, started reading it cover to cover, started learning how to create web pages. This was back, you had to do in code back then. There no, were no page editors, no WordPresses, no Drupals. And no Shopify's. So you just had to do it the hard way. And I did. And that's still what I'm doing today. Where in LA are you based? Uh, so dare I say it, in the, the tech haven that is the San Fernando Valley, uh, Sherman Oaks to be exact. Uh, and so it's, it's, it obviously is much more affordable here. 
but uh, again, everything is basically basically done from my apartment. Uh, you know, it's why I call the you know the magic zone. It's this is where all the magic happens. And you know, I work. You know, usually what I do with clients is I basically a lot of it involves handholding. You know, basically a lot of your clients, eighty percent of my clients aren't even in Los Angeles County. I mean, they're they're scattered all over the country. And like I said, in one case, the Bahamas, uh, which is outside obviously the U.S. So a lot of it involves you know uh, stuff like calls, emails, text messages, social media messages. And I got I was involved with Zoom two years before everybody else got involved with Zoom because I had a client in NorCal that was using it. And what is your specialty? Oh, without that web design. I mean, this is what I got into the game in the first place. It's what I've been studying. I've been following like all the as many trends as you possibly can hope. And fortunately I've had a good track record, good batting average of finding the right trends. Like we did our first mobile site designed for phones in 2005, four years before the iPhone came out. So we were, we were ahead of the curve, and we've been ahead of the curve on a lot of things over time. And what's one of your unique selling points? Like what makes you stand out amongst all the other design resources that exist in now a abundant tech world? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, there's several reasons. I mean, basically, it's customer service. I mean, it's something that a lot of web design studios don't understand. They just... And, and I learned this when I moved here to LA 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, when I was just learning about people who were just flaking out on jobs all over the place. There's not a lot of loyalty. There's not, you know, a lot of these designers and developers, they basically, they create a project. A lot of times they stop the project midway. Clients will do this too, of course. But, you know, when you're the developer, you want to finish it. At least you hope you want to finish it. A lot of them don't do that. Uh, and then they just simply create the site, drop it off and say like, okay, we're done now. And that's not how I work. I mean, it's always basically, you know, you try to create, try to create your clients and not just clients. You have to treat them as friends. And that's why we have over 24 years. I have clients that have been around with me for about over two decades because it's just because of the support and the friendship between myself and the various clients that I work with all across the U.S. And you've worked with some huge automotive companies as well. Uh, just one. But yeah, I mean, I, I was very fortunate to work on a couple of projects for Ford. Now, just to explain, I was originally, uh, one of the first things I did back in the old days was, uh, was I did a lot of working in what was called Flash, uh, Macromedia, Adobe Flash, all the nifty animation that you saw on the web back then that was just a high-level high interactivity. And unfortunately, when the iPhone came out, uh, Steve Jobs said, we're not going to support it. You know, here's why. Security reasons. made a whole bunch of excuses. He basically just didn't like Adobe. That's been discussed before, but basically we had to shift our focus into doing flash-like presentations, but without it, without flash. So we went to a different direction of HTML5 and JavaScript to create similar, somewhat similar experiences. And so we did some apps for Ford involving 3D spinning cars, and you could go in and see the uh, interior, and you could listen to the music on the console and see what the, uh, see what the center console is all about, and all these different features and it was a very tricky project, and it just only involved myself and two other people. That was it. And it went from. And the finding was, this is how different things were back then. It went from an agency in Detroit to an agency in New York to an agency in LA to an agency in Venice to me. That's how it all happened. It was just so hard to find talent that could do that back then. And you are also one of the leading Yelp Yelpers. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Share that with us. It's kind of embarrassing because I don't Yelp anymore because and that, that's a whole other story. It's like not a thing anymore. No. I mean, it's like, I mean, I got involved with Yelp because um, you know, I lived in New Orleans for eight years where everyone there is a restaurant critic unofficially. It's just what we do. And so I come to LA and about a year after I get here, I see an article in the LA Times about Yelp, which was 
still kind of new under, you know, way under the wheels. And uh, the first day after the article, I went on the Yelp, signed up for an account, and I just started doing what I do, review restaurants, many of which weren't even in LA because I was still getting new to it. So I was reviewing restaurants in New Orleans and other places. And the person who was moderating Yelp LA at the time, they have different Yelp LA communities, and they still do saw this action going on, going like, what is going on here? It's like, you know, and it's all of a sudden there were like were 40, 50 reviews, and they were like, okay, you're elite right now. Now, this would never happen today. Right. It's too much competition. Uh, but back then, there was virtually none. So I was part of the whole scene for about, um, I would say about six years or so until I started actually working with restaurants, and they kind of kicked me out of the elite scene because of that reason. Now, of course, Yelp has got enough scrutiny because of, you know, people, you know, basically Yelp trying to ju- juggernaut listings and algorithms and so forth, uh, you know, and it's just not the community it once was. It's a lot of people, it's just like influence in general. They just want free stuff. And, you know, that's not what I'm looking to do here. Yeah, free stuff's nice, but, you know, not always. And you've been in LA for so long and you're such a, a figurehead at all the events that go on in LA. And I know our events are currently on pause, but what have you found in the LA tech culture that really appeals to you? Well, actually, uh, can I correct you on that? Because actually, even though we're yes, in COVID, please. yeah, because even though we're in COVID, I'm still running events. I mean, we just went, we just ran one last about two weeks ago. Tell us about it. So I, I, I'm basically involved with two groups. One I started 14 years ago called LA Adobe. It's actually based on a group I started in New Orleans right before I left because uh, I, I left from Hurricane Katrina. That's how I got to LA. So I'm kind of used to disasters. Anyway, so. I started LA Adobe, and so basically it's a group I call Creative Tech. It was originally was just creative suite stuff, uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, Flash, After Effects, and so on. And we've grown that into this wider web involving all sorts of things. So we have AR, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, social media. Um, we just did a presentation on, u- on user experience, aka UX, with one of the speakers at last year's Adobe Max conference, uh, their big user conference, which will now this year go virtual and be free. Uh, as many conferences are. So we just did that last week with uh, Eric Norgard, and it was a very successful event. And then uh, I'm also involved with another group that, this is actually where I first met Spree, actually, was Social Media Club LA. Um, yeah, that's that's OG. I know, <laughs> it's, but it's still going on. So now I handle the sponsorships for them, which means basically, and this is kind of hard to do right now, but basically when you go to a social media club, or for that matter, Ellie Adobe event that was live and in person, you would usually find food, drinks, snacks, things like that, and other types of prizes we might be able to raffle off. I basically handle all that. So basically, I make the connections from one to the to the sponsor. I, and a lot of times, I just meet them in person at a, at a conference or something, but they're sponsoring something else. Because I figure, like, okay, if they're sponsoring this event, they might sponsor us too. And you know, so they, basically, that's what I've been doing. And just about two weeks ago, I also moderated a talk, which is on Social Media Club's Facebook page, and hopefully soon their YouTube page, uh, talking about restaurant marketing in the age of COVID with three speakers, one who is a restaurateur who uh, runs the Slapfish Restaurant Group down Orange County, one that does marketing for Cool House, the ice cream company you can find at pretty much any market around here, and another person who is involved with an agency that works with Veggie Grill and a bunch of other brands, Top Ramen, for example, in, in supermarkets and some alcohol brands. And, you know, we had a great 90-minute conversation all about all sorts of things that are happening in the restaurant business and how we can all pivot in, in, in this age. Uh, quite fascinating. Where can we find out more about that? 
So if you want to find out LA Adobe, you go to laadug.org. And if you want to find about Social Media Club LA, you go to, and this is a little tricky, socialmediaclub.la. Don't use the .com. Uh, just use the .la tag. And that's where you can find about our events. Uh, Social Media Club, actually, we're playing a uh, Lunch and Learn on uh, Resume Workshop coming up. Uh, we're, uh, LA Adobe is playing a social media workshop. we got some other things that we're working with some new presenters who uh, have some good profiles here in the LA market. Uh, of course, now, of course, anyone can tune in from anywhere, as you know. And who is your ideal client? Like, who do you serve best and how can they connect with you? There's really two. I mean, you know, and, and unfortunately, one of them is the restaurant industry, uh, which, of course, is struggling right now. I mean, you know, we're talking like, you know, seeing anywhere from estimates of saying like 40 to 75 percent of the restaurants after COVID are going to like go out of business, uh, at least the independent ones. And that's mostly what I work with. So it's tough to come to them right now and say, like, hey, you need a website? They're not going to want to listen to that when they're having all these other struggles. And if you know anything about restaurants, the margins are really thin. On the other hand, what I also work with are food brands and beverage brands. So, for example, we just launched a website for a tequila company in Hawaii called Tattoo Tequila. You can see that at TattooTequila.com. And we had to structure in a way, basically, because, again, small company, we're looking at, like, some cash, some equity into that process. But create a great site. And we're actually doing two more right now that should launch in the month of June uh, one for a uh, art gallery called Skull and Monarch, which will feature uh, rock photography as well as some up-and-comers in the uh, art world. Uh, and so there'll be like auctions and you can buy like these pieces of artwork and prints online. And then, the, of course, I'll get this eventually, but we're also launching a CBD line called Carmana CBD, which will be basically tinctures and sports creams and other types of supplements uh, for humans and also for pets. So we'll have that too. And that, those, that site's actually really close to launching right now. So by the time this airs, you might actually be able to go to the website and actually be able to work some products. Awesome. Have there been any LA tech talent or companies that you've come across that have really impressed you, like companies or people based in LA? Uh, boy, it's, it's really hard. I mean, like I just actually, like I said, I just started, uh, actually one I really was impressed with was uh, this agency in Culver City called Highway Enhanced, not necessarily for websites, but more for social media marketing and overall marketing in general. One thing they did was, like I said, this is the company that referenced Veggie Grill. And they did something really impressive. And, and this was like really fast, like right after COVID-19 started, the pandemic you know, was basically announced on March 11th. And we started seeing the restaurants close around March, I think, 17th, St. Patrick's Day. So basically what they did was they created something like the very next, the launch, I think the very next week, they're still doing it called the Great American Takeout, which is basically a, mostly a Tuesday promotion where they're trying to encourage people to order takeout food from restaurants. As, as you know, pretty much in many cities, including here in LA up until now, you could only order takeout and delivery. And it's still the case in some places. And it, it's, a, it's actually a lot safer because the dining regulations are ridiculous right now. You just, it doesn't make sense to dine in. But if you order anything from a pizza to a burrito or even these fine dining restaurants are doing it, you can get some great food. A lot of them give you like, like great deals. I mean, there's one place in like, there's some restaurants in Los Alamos and Central Coast. They're delivering to LA, which is crazy, but they're doing it. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, but they're doing it like one day a week, but they're doing it. So you get a taste of the Central Coast without driving the 90 miles to get there. That's crazy. Can you spell the agency again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's H-I-G-H-W-I-D-E ampersand H-A-N-D-S-O-M-E. 
Perfect. And we'll include it in the show notes too. One question I always love to ask is, Adam, what's your favorite tech tool? It could be website, mobile app, hardware. Um, good question. I mean, like there's a couple of them right now. Like one, for example, when it works is, I mean, obviously, I mean, I love this solar keyboard. It's, it's great from Logitech. I mean, their masses aren't so good, but this, the keyboard's great. Of course, the only problem being solar is you have to keep charging it, but the typing on it's fantastic. Beyond that, um, I do a lot of development in WordPress. So I still use a lot of their tools. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the page builder called Elementor. I used to be a fan of Divi, which was another page building tool that really helped create web pages efficiently, but they've kind of gotten a little too heavy on it, uh, on the code and so forth, and the sites aren't as fast. So, I mean, that's a great tool. And then, you know, just in the browser itself, uh, just being able now to inspect code in console, just be able to see what's wrong with some code and just trying to fix it there before you even put it onto the website is amazing. And then also now another thing is, and this is something we could discuss if you're interested, is one of my pet peeves in the last year has been accessibility with websites, which is basically creating websites for people with disabilities, where they're blind or deaf or, or have color contrast issues, vision issues. There's unfortunately been a situation where basically these, I call them ambulance chasing lawyers, which is basically what they are. And they're trolls. And all they're doing is they're going after like small to medium or large e-commerce companies, anybody doing e-commerce. And they're basically like coming after and saying, like, your site's not accessible. We're suing you. And this happened to a client of mine last year in Culver City that does skincare, and they got sued for thirty. They wanted to set. They, I don't know what the, what the what, how much they were trying to sue for, but I do know what they're trying to settle for for two websites with thirty thousand dollars. They had me come to fix the problem. It was a Shopify site, which of course you know is a huge platform right now for e-commerce, and it's growing fast. The stocks are going up so high, but none of their themes are accessible, so you have to fix them no matter what. So I had to go in. Wow. I know. If you're going to do Shopify, I'm going to tell you right now, be very careful. My client wanted to do a redesign and they said like, well, find a Shopify accessible theme. Well, okay, I tried. (laughs) There aren't any right now. (laughs) I'm not making this up. June uh, 4th, 2020, there are no accessible themes in the Shopify app store or theme store that are accessible. If you do, if you own the WordPress, you can go into their theme store and you can type in, you know, in the depository, type in accessible and you'll find a bunch of themes. No problem. You go into Shopify, nope, none of them. And, you know, like, and, and I wouldn't trust trying to get a Shopify theme from places like Template Monster or Theme Forest or places like that. Because, again, this is where people will flake out, developers will flake out, and they will stop supporting the theme. If you get it from Shopify's own theme store, got a good, pretty good chance it's going to be okay. No, that's really good to know. So do you have some a couple suggestions on how to make sure our sites are accessible? Yeah. Uh, so one thing I found recently uh, is a service called Accessibe. I believe it's A-C-C-E-S-S-I-B-E. And basically it's a service. I think they charge a monthly fee to basically put something on your site. It's like, it's like you basically supposed to just embed some code and then they do the rest of the work to make the site accessible. It's basically put like a little like button or something like that. And you probably have seen this on some sites where they have that little uh, wheelchair icon in the bottom left or bottom right of the screen. And you click that and you can make, you can actually toggle things and stuff. So that's another option. The other option realistically is just study up on this and just learn, just go to a lot of websites and just download for Google Chrome, download Google wave and lighthouse. And uh, I think it's called ally, which is actually a 11 Y get it? ally, but with 11 and basically, these are types of tools. They're all free. And this will allow you to go inspect your website, and you can basically see what's wrong with it. And each one will give you kind of a different result. 
but you can combine them all and you can figure out, okay, what's wrong? I mean, and realistically, and this is where my client made the biggest mistake was, you know, they would only bring me in to, for maintenance when they truly needed development. But when they were adding products on their own, they would just simply copy code, which included like one of those accordion type areas, which would just expand and contract. And they just would copy and they would just, they, but they wouldn't copy it correctly. And Shopify would take the code and twist it and to where it wasn't really usable. And they'd have to call me in to fix it. Or the biggest one of all was they would upload images and simply not put alt text in them, alternative text, which is for people who are blind and also for search engines. Uh, so it has a double effect. But realistically, it's amazing to me how many people, when they upload an image, A, don't change the file name. So your file name is img123.jpg, which will not help you whatsoever in a Google image search. Instead of saying esprit-devora.jpg, well, that should be hopefully a picture of esprit-devora, I would hope. And then also you, when you upload, you put in that alt text saying esprit-devora, and you also put in the title area and make it a little difference, like esprit-devora, we are LA tech. Uh, that's what you do. But so many people don't do that, and that's why they're ripe for lawsuits right now. And they make one little mistake, and they can get caught into a major trap. And a lot of them actually, you know, are scared. And I, I don't blame them, especially right now. And this is going going up even now. It's so crazy. I took notes. But let me add one more thing for the accessibility. Yeah. This is one of the other things. You do a lot of video, right? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, so here's one thing that a lot of people also don't do. They upload their videos to YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. They forget to caption them. Close or open caption the videos. That's the text on the bottom of the screen that people who are, you know, are blind or deaf can't see or can't, you know, can't hear the audio, obviously, if they're deaf. A lot of people don't burn it in or put the closed captioning in, in there, and that's a big mistake. I had a client that basically got sued because we had, you know, we had embedded a video from YouTube that actually was like 11 years old, wasn't our video, was from somewhere else. He just didn't put captioning in. It wasn't our fault. But it wasn't our video. So what I had to do is I downloaded the video off YouTube using a Firefox extension, Firefox being the browser. And then I had to take it into Adobe Premiere Pro. They have a captioning tool. I put the captions in. I upload to our site as open captions. And that's where we're serving it from. No, it's so important. I think accessibility isn't something that's talked about enough. No. And I really appreciate that you brought it up. Like it's, I seriously took notes. I think it's so great. And it's a community that is underserved and we should think about how to over deliver and make sure that they are served. I thought it was really, really useful. Adam, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast and of just course. being a part of the LA Tech community, wearing the We Are LA Tech shirt, which like made me I so stoked. right now. <laughs> totally. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary people in LA Tech, remember to go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group at wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. This is Adam Bell from Data TV, an independent web design studio based in beautiful Sherman Oaks. And you are listening to the We Are LA Tech podcast with my friend, It's Free. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Goodwin. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. 
Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.